noches, amigos. Buenas noches, Navra. ¿Cómo estás? Bien. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. Mexican style. Muchas gracias. Champion. Campeón. Thank you very much. This is Rudy Mondragon. And I'm Jared Bato. And this is the split draw. I don't fight because I want. I fight because I need. So all my people can eat, drink, fucking get free. Come on. All right, all right, all right. What's up, Jared? How's it going? I'm doing good, brother. How are you, Rudy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited to to be here again with you and uh, jumping right into the. I mean, it's. I guess today's episode is a really a sneak peek to the Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano fight that's going to be happening pretty fight. soon. Huge fight. Yeah, that's that's definitely on the docket today. But there's also a full uh, agenda of other things we're talking about and also dealing with uh, our last episode's predictions. There's a lot of things to talk about. But yeah, definitely the meat of our conversation today is about the biggest women's boxing fight coming up at the end of April, Serrano versus Taylor. Yeah, April 30th. It's a historic night. I'm excited because it's the first time you know, and, and first times we we tend to celebrate and rightfully so, like, you know, barrier breaking type of events. And and this is, you know, this is one of them. This is the first time that two women will be headlining a Madison Square Garden boxing event. You know, that's the Madison Square Garden is known as the Mecca, if you will, of boxing, like in New York, a rich history of boxing that's happened out there in, in Los Angeles. The Grand Olympic Auditorium was built to be the West Coast's version of the Madison Square Garden. And so the way that the Madison Square Garden has been so influential to the West Coast boxing scene, you know, this is where these two women are going to be headlining, main eventing a major, major fight. Yeah. And, you know, Serrano is a Brooklyn native, too. Like, it's, I feel like the whole area is has roots, really deep roots into the history of boxing. And it's really appropriate, actually, that this fight is taking place there, because I think who will really appreciate this as a boxing, as a sweet science, as an art is really in for a treat because of this headline um, and just where when they're fighting like these two ladies are in their prime and it's is just and they're so hungry still there's no like sure there's an a side b side and we'll talk about that soon but like there's really it's really hard to predict what will happen both of these women have been so successful in their previous fights and to me what's exciting is is like kind of the pacquiao like rise of serrano coming into uh taking what is uh rightfully katie taylor's um domain and her dominance in the in the lightweight division um so yeah i wonder what you th- your thoughts about that like how does this feel for you like coming into that weekend i mean i, I mean it's i mean i'm glad that the fight is happening Amanda serrano has one defeat while katie taylor has uh, is an undefeated fighter but you know i i don't it's it's Prime, both fighters entering their prime. I don't know because you know Katie Taylor's thirty-five and Amanda Serrano's thirty-three. So it's uh, it's also I think something that Serrano talked about in terms of like I think the state of women's boxing. Like it's a good time to be in women's boxing, but I mean there's no no better time than the present time. So I I understand 
that that needs to be said and it's important, but there's been a lot of good best times for women's boxing, but it, it I think this fight is historic, is important, but the same problems continue to be an issue when it comes to women's boxing, not enough uh, media attention, not enough recognition, not enough compensation for their labor. So I'm excited about this fight. And uh, at the same time, I, I also am very hesitant to to just celebrate and romanticize this grand event, which it is, you know, Madison Square Garden is the first time that women are going to headline that place. And it's also these two are going to be sharing one of the largest purses in women's boxing history. I think the two with with it's not a pay-per-view fight, but with combined the zone subscription revenue, the, the shared purse can be upwards to about 1.9 million that the two are going to share, you know, so that's exciting that that women, these two women are going to be compensated better than what we usually see. But at the same time, it's also like a, a, a it's, it, one event, two women is doing this and accomplishing this while it's great. It's not is not is not necessarily doing a lot yet to change the, the way that boxing is structured, the way that the culture of boxing privileges men in this sport. And so I'm excited, but I'm also very critical about it. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Like it's, it's, it's kind of like, of course, if you talk to boxing heads, we're like always in those boxing Twitter lists. And of course you can feel the excitement within that type of audience about what we're about to see. And it's like for any fight fan, really, it's like an unpredictability about it is like, what's exciting. In addition to like, these are both women at their, at the, at the top of the game and they're fighting the best. And, but yeah, like in the macro view, of course, for me, I feel like we'll look back in this, in this fight and be like, man, that was, that was when it blew up. But this is because for me, like, I'm just thinking, man, hopefully, you know, these two fighters, they've kept themselves healthy and they're, they're also knowing how to start to market themselves by like getting with the right people, putting themselves in position to build an audience. Like to me, what I hope, like my, my heart's aspiration for it is, is that mm -hmm. we'll see a little bit of like award gaudy one and that maybe a battle will ensue that keeps them on top of the game and, and battling each other because stylistically, like it's, it's also very interesting to me. Like, I feel, mm -hmm. I feel like we see a Katie who's been very comfortable at that weight and, and really loves to be in the inside while Serrano, she has eyes and, and really good timing and very quick hands. And I, I just like, to me, it's just juicy to think about. And it's hard for me to pick a side because I just want to see it happen. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're like going back to what you're saying about too, like the location of the fight, like, you know, it's Puerto Rico, Serrano's from out there and, you know, Puerto Rican fan base, New Rican fan base is going to show up to support Serrano. And then Katie Taylor having, you know, her Irish fan base, Irish Americans, Ireland. white Huge. Irish Americans out there in New York. I mean, there's there's a rich um, history of of Irish fans in the Northeast. So you know, you, you bringing back like the, the Mickey Ward and, and Gotti fight, you know, I think this one is, is, is a very thrilling Puerto Rico versus Ireland kind of matchup that, mm -hmm. that fan bases out there in that region, particularly in, in New York and Manhattan. I, I hope people show up and I hope people come and support that fight. You were mentioning earlier that, that, you know, and I don't know if a lot of people that are listening to this podcast know, but 
This is also the same night, April 30th, that Shakur Stevens is going to be fighting yeah. uh, Oscar Valdez, which is a highly anticipated fight that will be broadcasted on ESPN. Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor are going to be on DAZN. I have my thoughts on that, but I was curious to hear what you thought, because we were talking about that before we started recording this podcast. So what do you think about scheduling these two events on the same night? I think it's disrespectful. Like, I mean, look at that. Like, DAZN, of course, has and this fight has been coming for a long time. And I think whoever is Shakur's and Oscar Valdez promoter, like they know, I, I don't know if it's actually for a belt or anything. Like, I feel like it's just maybe for placement in uh pound for pound lists or, or, or uh, a, like a special exhibition for these young cats, like evolving into the, the lightweight, like tournament that's about to begin. But like, to me, it's like scheduling. Yeah. Maybe like a welterweight fight. That's also with some two stars against like a heavyweight showdown between rivals and in the men's side. Like it, it really just feels like, like now that I've done the research and we're like helping, like, uh, you know, just build anticipation for Katie Taylor and Serrano. Like, I think it's weirdly disrespectful, like how that happened, because I, I know Oscar Valdez and, and Shakur scheduled that after they did. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and then I mean, it's like I agree. I mean, it's it's uh, it's poor scheduling. Two contrasting promotion companies because Top Rank is promoting Shakur and and Valdez, and and Matchroom is promoting Katie Taylor and uh, MVP Most Valuable Promotions. Jake Paul is promoting Amanda Serrano in this fight. So, and and there was a you know there was some choice words that were taken both by by the top ranked president, um, CEO and founder, Bob Arum, about the fight between Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor, and then a response from Amanda Serrano's promoter, Jake Paw. And I don't, I don't usually, um, I don't really have a lot of, you know, usually positive things to say about Jake Paul, but, <laughs> you know, I, I will give him his due props for this one because, you know, he has said that, like, in the fights, he's had Amanda Serrano as, a, as an undercard fighter in his fights, in the past when he found out how underpaid her her labor was yeah. i think he had commented about like fighting for a world championship belt and making twenty thousand dollars which you know ladies and gentlemen that's that's not uncommon for women's boxing right in my, in my research uh interviewing kaylee reese you know kaylee reese told me about the time that she fought for the world championship title which which was the wbc world title and she did this in New Zealand and she was fighting against Maris Maricela Cornejo and she was offered originally $3,500, not $35,000, $3,500 to go to New Zealand and fight for a world title. That's that's this plane ticket. <laughs> it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful and like the disregard for the labor that they have to engage in, right? So she ended up negotiating for $5,000. And this is in, in an oral history that Kaylee and I did together, documenting her experience, her life in boxing. And it's published and it's now, you can find it at the UC Berkeley Bancroft Library, which is your alma mater, right, Jared? Go Bears. Go That's Bears. Right. I know I know where the Bancroft Library is. How, you spent some time there? Oh, yeah. I studied a lot. Studied. <laughs> so in that oral history that, that we did together, Kaylee talks about that experience. She ends up winning the world title. And typical in typical fashion in boxing, once you're done with your fight, the cashier comes and meets you in the locker room or backstage and hands you your your purse, your your guaranteed purse, what you 
were contracted to make for that fight. And Kaylee Reese, to this day, has not seen a penny of that $5,000 that she ended up negotiating to be paid for in that fight. Right. She was offered thirty five hundred. She negotiated and they agreed to five thousand. She won the fight and she never got paid. She she to this day has had her wages withheld from her yeah. for the time when she won one of her first world titles in boxing. So for Jake Paul to make light of that, given yeah. his following and he has a lot of attention, he brought that up. You know, said it's, it's an injustice that she get she gets paid about twenty thousand for her fights. And so he put her in undercards in his fights. And now that he's got like a promotions company, you know, he's doing his part to get these women, get, get, get Amanda Serrano a big payday. And, and I've been hearing a lot of talk about that. They're going to get paid seven figures, but I looked into the numbers and, you know, according to Wajahat Tajamal of total Sportal, this uh, website that uh, reports on, on sports and, 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 and price fighting purses, it shows the breakdown of, of what these two fighters are actually going to be making. And, and like I said earlier, they're splitting about $2 million purse. Katie Taylor's guaranteed $750,000. And she's going to get 70% of the, it says share of the pay-per-view, but it's actually the sub- subscriptions that, that come with the zone. So if you pay $20 for the fight, you get one month subscription to the zone. If you pay for the whole year, it costs you $100. And so that's, that's what they're splitting in terms of the subscriptions or like the, what they're saying, pay-per-view sales, right? The re- revenue from that. Uh-huh. Serrano's guaranteed $300,000 and 30% of the pay-per-view the zone subscription shares, which for her, her potential payout could be about 475,000. Mm-hmm. And Katie Taylor is projected to make about 1.5 million with her guaranteed purse and the revenue share of the pay-per-view the zone subscriptions. And so, it is a it is bigger payday than what we're accustomed to seeing um, women get, you know. But my thing is still, is this going to be sustainable? Is this going to actually change the yeah. paradigm and the culture of boxing, or is this just a one and done? And then we continue to have these best moments in boxing yeah, and know. nothing changes. Having to wait, and yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping. Like we're just seeing some some of the beginning for you know. I don't know if you saw the Dazone interview uh, the other week or the other day um, with uh, yeah, just basically the table talk between Eddie Hearn, um, uh, Jake Paul, Amanda Serrano, and Katie Taylor. And it's so funny, like you, you could tell, you could see the professional, consummate professional Katie Teller just answering the questions, just doing her job, holding the belts, uh, smiling for the cameras. But you could see Amanda Serrano just like just doing a little bit extra being like, hey, I'm trying to get under your skin here, Katie. And I want to make this a, a real rivalry. This is legacy. She kept saying the word legacy. And I don't think Katie understood what that meant. Like yet and she was just like kind of in the template. Of, of a boxer just showing up to the press conference. But like Amanda was just like saying, Hey, this is legacy. I'm going to bring it to you. And I hope you make it entertaining. Like, I hope you could step it up like, and, and really entertain and, and make a mark. And she was like, looking into her eyes and saying like, do you even get me? You know, like, mm-hmm. and the intensity of Serrano's eyes was like super exciting. I was just like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Like take advantage of these moments to like really, like build that franchise, like, you know, Roberto Duran getting under the skin of Leonard, like just those things that like contribute to getting that, like guaranteeing that income, but also like uh, building 
other avenues for income, which I imagine Jake Paul is trying to do by claiming seven figures. But like in paper, this is what they're going to get for just that night. But I assume like he's hoping like these interviews or like advertisers will come to the come to the fray and start supporting Amanda Serrano. Like I heard she's still trying to get Jordan Jordan to like sponsor her gear and yeah, like it's just these little things that you notice, like once once these fights get big enough that you're seeing, oh, yeah, like look at a boxer who had no name, no name gloves and no name shoes and drug companies or or like Coke companies plastered on their on their boxers evolve into like, oh, here's a Nike suit. Here's that cape. Here's that ring walk. Here's my sponsors. Here's the commercials like that that stuff needs to be built up. And you, I, that's why I'm, I'm so excited about this because I think Amanda Serrano gets that. And she, that's where her eyes are that prize, like beyond like the, the glory of like getting Katie Taylor's belts. She's just mm-hmm. hoping like, Hey, let's make this a rivalry, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's the, the same video that you're talking about that I watched as well. And what emerges is, is Katie Taylor uh, kind of playing the, 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 the good person uh-huh, uh-huh. and and i think amanda in a it's not so overt but i think it's kind of like you know within every boxing match has a good versus evil kind of framework and i think amanda emerges as the the evil as the as good the, versus bad as the challenger like challenger yeah. challenger but evil but yeah yeah you mm-hmm. definitely see katie taylor comfortable and like oh i'm the champ you got to take it away from me yeah i'm the professional you're not going to shake me um, yeah, you're right. You're totally yeah. right. And with, with, with that, like Katie Taylor is, I mean, she has all four belts. They're fighting at the 135 pound division. Katie's got all four belts. It's a, it's an undisputed fight. Like the winner of this fight is going to have all four belts. And, and, you know, going back to like purse too, you know, the last time there was an undisputed fight in the men's division, it was Canelo versus plant. What did <sighs> they split? <laughs> 50 million dollar purse yeah 40 million about approximately went to canelo 10 million went to plant and that's a, that's obviously the cash cow of boxing so that's a, that's a that's an extreme example but but let's take a look at when 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 teofimo fought against george cambosas which was a, another recent fight that took place that they, they didn't unify all four belts officially they, they unified three mm-hmm. right so it wasn't undisputed but it was a unification it's close three belts on the line they split about five million dollars that's what their purse was and it kind of reminds me like you know like the purses for men's golf versus women's golf right very similar right like you like the the, the money that all the women have to split that large purse is substantially smaller yeah than what the men's are are splitting in golf and, and it's similar in boxing when we pay attention to these numbers and we follow the number trail we really see in boxing who we value and who we value less and you know i, I that's again i give props to to jake pop because as the promoter of amanda he's he's stood up for her right because again going back to like shakur and and valdez who are fighting for the world boxing council world super weather uh featherweight title that that valdez has and the wbo belt that shakur has so they're fighting for a belt so it is a unification fight there too bob aram was asked about his thoughts about these fights overlapping and, and bob aram was like quote as good a fight as this is, I mean, come on, this is Bob Arum. For whatever reason, people don't particularly pay attention to the women's fights. It's like comparing Premier League to women's football. 
Wow. So the disrespect, right? The disrespect, and I get it. It's, that's com- that's competition for his his product, for his brand, for his fighters, for his stable. Jake Paul responded, and this is what Jake Paul responded with. He called Bob Arum a dinosaur. And so it's been said, right? But I think it was Forbes magazine. They, they've, they've said that, like, you know, Jake Paul is serious about promoting women's fighting. You know, like, okay, I, I, it's yet to be seen. I want to see more. But mm-hmm. so far, okay, you're doing it with, with Serrano, mm-hmm. right? So I, I want to see him really put more action in what he's saying. Like, he's really backing up Serrano. And, and I guess it's only with, with time, but I'll give him his props for this event that he's promoting and he's helping to like shine his light and move it away from him and put it on Amanda Serrano. We need to see more of that in the boxing industry. And I don't know if you could tell Jared, but this, this issue kind of gets to me. It really bugs me. Right? Yeah, I know. Because, and it's so close and you know, you know, it's, it's so close and I get it. Like we're going to appreciate it because of course the boxing heads are, are looking at it, but yeah, like the injustice is so frank and so obvious and it's also common to a lot of other sports, like uh, for women's soccer and uh, uh, WNBA, they're they're putting their lives out of the line, too, by saying, how come we have to work three times as harder to get the same amount of money like it, it to just be equal in, in the excellence of athleticism and sports that we also embody? And if any more like they, they're they're doing things the right way and they have to act extra about it and so yeah i definitely also applaud jake paul i think he's an innovator in this space and he's he's trying to show a new path and and but also like uh, attack attack these dinosaurs i guess at the at the source like they mm-hmm. like i hope i hope yeah like i hope it's it's beyond serrano because she is like a once in a generational type of like she's going, she's on her way to breaking Pacquiao's record. Maybe like yeah, of, this will be her seventh division. Pacquiao did eight, but this will be her seventh. This yeah, will be her absolutely. seventh. If she, if she wins tonight and maybe we get a rematch or whatever, like it's, it's it, like people don't know, like how, how we'll be looking back at this and, and yeah, maybe it's early, but hopefully it blooms into something we can, we can share in their glory because they deserve it. They, they mm-hmm. really do. I mean, I, I'll give Paul his credit for this one. Again, I, I got to be very clear. I'll give him credit for this, right? But it's yet to be seen because he's in a yep. position where he can continue to try to disrupt the boxing industry and shake it up. Or he could become a young dinosaur like Bob Arum. He could just go in there and be you like, you know what? I'm going to just, just do the same thing that's been done in boxing. Because yep. it is, I'll give him that. Is It's going to be hard to change the culture of boxing, to change the industry structures and how it's run its business. That hasn't changed much over the years, right? Serrano, going back to that video we were talking about, right? Serrano, why I say she became the villain too is because in the press conference, she also brought up something very, very important that's distinct between men and women's boxing. It's 10-minute rounds, 10 10 rounds at two minutes each. That's something that's been restricted to women only, right? The men fight their championship fights over the course of 12 rounds, each round's three minutes, right? Women, 10 rounds two minutes each. And, and Serrano was talking about that, what you were saying, right? Talking about legacy. And she said, for, you know, let, to cement our legacy and really make history, let's, let's do it up for 12. Let's do it for three minutes. Like the men do. Let's do it. If we're going to be, and she said, I'm, I'm for women's equality. Let's fight the same thing, the same, the same way that men fight. And Katie wasn't having it. She was yeah. like, trying to be like, nah, I'm good. You know, I think <laughs> I we'll tra- make, we'll make a history regardless. <laughs> yeah, she, she dodged that real quick. I saw mm-hmm. that. Because yeah. the, the last time that women went 
12 rounds for three minutes each was the night that in 2019, it was the fight between Marlena Sparza and Sanisa Estrada. Okay. That's the last time I remember women fighting for 12 rounds, three minutes for a championship belt. And it was interesting because they were fighting for the WBA interim world flyweight title. But Mauricio Suleiman, the president of the World Boxing Council, was in the front row. And he was just appalled that the state of Nevada would sanction a fight, that WBO would sanction a fight and subject women to three minute rounds, right? Because research says that women are 80% at higher risk of having concussions than men are and recovery time is longer for them than, than it is for men boxers. And it's like, since when did men in the boxing industry give a shit about women yeah all of a sudden now we That's want funny. And, and since when you, no, where, since when do you pull that stat out like before like you yeah know? since when did boxing period care about concussions mm-hmm. right tris dixon's book damage that just came out last year is the first book that looks at the history of concussions in boxing that's been a taboo topic something we don't talk about but all of a sudden to talk about protecting women, we bring out this stat, which even that study that he's citing, it talks about the discrepancies of it because because of gender issues, men typically don't report concussions. So the data might even be a little skewed and inaccurate or not as reliable, even though that's what the data is showing, that women have more at risk for concussions. Because they're, But there's also reporting issues about who's reporting the concussions. Yes. Women are more likely to report concussions. Versus men who typically will just not report it or kind of brush it under the rug for ver- various reasons that deal with masculinity, deal with not showing weakness, et cetera. So it's just a very convenient stat to bring out at that time. Exactly. And, and, and it's a very serious thing. Don't get me wrong, right? Concussions and boxing for, for all participants, we need to really take serious because yeah. boxing is in the business of punishment but not but not not at the expense of what we should be giving our women athletes in general like why why do that at the expense of them when they could be losing out time on advertising space just the overall time that is spent for them to portray themselves in the ring is already so limited the ring walk is being taken away slowly like advertising space on their trunks and and everything is just being taken away it's just very unfair when you take it you just allow you you sacrifice their financial situation for i don't know whatever they deem is is should be different between women's and men's boxing that's so convenient it's just it's weaponizing it and and you know for me so like for me it's like yeah okay like this the issue there with using concussions and weaponizing that is it's it's still in the name of like we have the obligation as men to protect our fragile women because women are fragile and men are the most powerful. And that's like, come on now. Like we're in the 21st century. It's 2022. (laughs) These these women will wipe the floor out of like, I don't know. I would say a lot of these commentating heads that are just trying to build, be gatekeepers for things they are already bad at, you know? So I, yeah, if anything, yeah, maybe Jake Paula is doing the right thing here. Just establishing his lane, just bringing eyes and funneling it into where they need to be without all the drama and rules that these random gatekeepers in boxing are like putting up because yeah, if anything, he's, he's free from that. He, he did things his way for his own fights and he believes uh, like, as opposed to following a template of men's boxing, women's boxing should take uh, another route. So maybe that's it. 
So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, the, the state of, of boxing for women is still a very shaky, very precarious, very unequal, unequitable space. And so like, I think for this fight, for folks listening, you know, I'll be watching. Jared's going to be watching. It's, it's time oh, to really yeah. support women's boxing, yeah. women's sports, period. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We'll be watching for sure. Split, draw, approved. We're mm-hmm. all putting our eyes on this for sure. All right. Well, we're moving on to now reflecting and reviewing the predictions that we had for the past fights. Uh, so we had the Triple G and Ryan Murata fight happen. Uh, Triple G ended R- up being Riota, triumphant. Yeah, Ryota Murata. He put up a good, he put up a great fight uh, in the beginning of the rounds, but yeah, he got overwhelmed by Triple G's experience, just preparedness, and yeah, he was surprisingly fit, but Triple G was evidently slow, and we already knew that about Murata, so if anything, we just, uh, all the boxing heads just got more data to show that, yeah, if he wants that Canelo payday, it's literally just a payday, because he won't win, yeah. um, he looked too slow. Yeah, Murata did a he did what he had to do. He was a durable fighter. Went in there and took a took a took a lot of punishment to the point where Triple G was eventually able to stop him. But you're right, 100. percent I saw a slower Triple G. His reflexes aren't what they were once. I've said it once. I've said it again. I'll say it right now. His his style just is not a sustainable one, especially at age 40. He just turned 40. It's a like great birthday said. present win. So yeah, I'm like, happy. And like and like you said, if he fights Canelo at 168. Ooh. It's just gonna be a payday for Canelo. It's, it's gonna be the easiest of the of the three fights that they'll have oh if they do God. if they do have them. And Canelo's the evolved. Canelo's evolved already far past where we've yeah. seen. That's prime time Canelo right now. Brian Garcia against Togo. Emmanuel Togo. Oh Ooh. my God, you go first for this one. Well, I, I have so many thoughts about this one. I know a lot of people. Well, I mean, the zone commentators were talking about like Ryan Garcia and like he can only do so much when you have a fighter who won't um, engage with you and will just be like a, a shell and and just stay in defensive mode the whole time. But you know, I I I I, I think that's a win for Togo in the sense that he went the distance against mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Garcia, kind of like Rocky telling Adrian that he just wants to go the distance. He don't care if he loses <laughs> to Apollo Creed. You know, wow. he went the distance, so he took him to he took him the full twelve. Didn't look good doing it. I mean, he he was very conservative, very defensive. Didn't didn't have a game plan in there to try to win. But Ryan Garcia also didn't do himself any favors <laughs> in making himself look good. Like the dude threw five jabs, only five jabs, and he Did missed he all five of them. Did he forget how to jab? Like in between the Canelo camp and and this camp, like, and it's so funny because as soon I saw an interview with Joe Goose, uh, yeah, Joe. Joe Goosen right before the fight and he was talking about like basics with the jab his number one rule is training the jab and I was just like okay so that's what you trained him on like it, I feel like there was a significant amount of time in between this fight and this so-called return or the comeback for him to like develop further not regress like to me I saw regress Ryan Garcia regressed in both his skill and his tattoo work and ooh, ooh yeah, right. I said that. I said that. I said that. But then <laughs> it's he did not like he's the one who handpicked this opponent. They knew he was gonna run. And then he didn't have a plan to cut off no ring or develop a jab to like complete this. It's it's very confusing what message he's trying to tell us. Like for a guy that doesn't have no belt and we're supposed to keep paying for these fights. No, like I don't I don't like that. You, you know me, I, I love when a fight is, when the plan of a fight is disrupted. The plan was for Ryan Garcia to make a comeback, look good, 
win in spectacular fashion by knockout or by a dominant victory. And he did dominate the scorecards, but he didn't look entertaining. He didn't look impressive. Like Jojo Diaz was ringside and he was like, man, this is horrible. <laughs> I'm so you glad know? he was there, actually. That, yeah, probably that's he, the only good thing that happened in that fight. Yeah, like, I would love to see Jojo. that fight eventually happen. Gary Jojo. Russell. Gary Russell is like this, the same Ryan Garcia from from old, like, you know, fighting with his chin up and headhunting. He was headhunting a lot and trying to go. So I, I think for to go, that's why I'm like, you know, I liked what to go that he made made Golden Boys uh, plans a little bit hard to manifest what they wanted to see um, by placing their their, you know, their prospect, their 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 good looking fighter against someone that was supposed to be there for the taking and to go was like nope i'm just gonna run i'm gonna like not make you look <laughs> good because you. Yeah. why are you gonna use me why are you gonna yep. use me to make this guy exactly. look good so, to go was like you know what i'm gonna make this ugly i'm not gonna let you even look good against me, me. Yeah. even if i look horrible and, and and the press is gonna eat me up alive which they have but you know what let me provide an alternative perspective to go disrupted people's plans and yes he's not gonna be a world champion and he he might not ever fight in the U.S. and under the zone again, but but we need those we need those guys to always the disrupt the Golden Boy plan. And yeah, like that's what I don't like about this Golden Boy template that's always trying to be put in in front of us. Like, hey, spoon feed you these Golden Boys, just eat it. Like you'll be entertained. No, like I yeah. If anything, we should have a name for these plan disruptors that are always in the Golden Boys way because Golden Boys love picking these guys because they think they're easy. But then they show up and they disrupt. And I love it, too. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's like when my uh, when Carlos Morales fought against Ryan Garcia and that was supposed to be, you know, another fight for Ryan to look good. In, and, and and Carlos ended up jabbing and hurting Ryan Garcia. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> you know I, I Ryan Garcia is a project and, and they're trying to use his good looks and his charisma. And and, you know, he's he's a talented fighter. Um, but as we get him, as he starts fighting against tougher competition as we saw with nate campbell which he did good he ended up knocking him out he did well but it's going to get harder and harder and you're going to as a promoter you're not going to be able to protect them for very longer not even protect them but you're not going to be able to match him up against to go type competition you're going to have to put him in there with some of the guys like like jojo diaz you're gonna have to put him up there with guys that have belts and and eventually he has to graduate to that phase in his career so i'm i'm curious i could be wrong maybe he is going to prove a lot of people wrong including me but so. part of me, I'm like, I think a lot of it is just banking on the his ability to attract fans, an audience, because that's what he has going for him. He hasn't really proved that he's a world champion level fighter yet, but he's proved that he's a world class entertainer and he puts butts in seats. And that's the name of the boxing game. So moving on to predictions now, mm-hmm. Shakur Stevens and Valdez, April 30. What do you think? I love Oscar Valdez, but I got Shakur in this one. I think Shakur has evolved significantly since we last saw him. And he's so young still, but now he knows what clicks and he's flowing in the ring. I think we're actually going to see an explosive fight with this one. And Shakur being the sharper one and winning by TKO or KO, I, I, I think. Right on, right on. I, I, like, I like the fact that Valdez had a great showing against Burchett. And then and then had a really tough fight in his last one where he was he had a lot on his mind. He was being accused and he, he tested positive for a diuretic. And whether he did or didn't, he, he experienced a lot of like a lot of pressure. And he, he, he said it got him down. So I, I could see he was like distracted when he fought that fight. So I think he'll show up fresh and, and ready to go. It's the biggest fight of his life. But I agree. I think in this fight, Shakur is going to emerge as the better technical fighter. Like 
Valdez emerged as the better technical fighter against Burchett. Burchett yeah. is a is a forward coming aggressive fighter. Mm-hmm. Shakur's not. Shakur can move nope. forward as he did against Tearing, but he, you know he's he he can he can fight on his on his back foot. He can fight moving forward, but he's Any a angle. technical fighter and he's a purist. He, the boxing logic for Shakur is hit and don't get hit, swim without getting wet, and I love mm-hmm. that because he's very mindful of that, and I think that's going to make a, a frustrating night for. Valdez, who I think in this fight is going to have to emerge as the aggressor, and and that's going to play into Shakur's dynamic skill set. So yep. I think decision for Shakur. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about how about for Katie Taylor and Serrano? Then what are your thoughts Man. on this one? I'm going with with Amanda Serrano. You know, she's regard she's known as the heavier puncher, and I I just think that with two minute rounds, ten minute round, two minute rounds over the course of ten rounds you have to be busy right away. And I think that advantages a heavier puncher because you're getting in there right away. And so yeah, with the not significant to, strikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think and that's, that's, that's going to make a difference. That's me. That's me too. But I really wish they take it to deep waters because like, again, I'm hoping for that trilogy fight. Like I, I really want that to happen because I do see the qualities of Katie Taylor being so durable and fighting on the inside and controlling distance and stuffing, uh, folks that do have that, that do want that distance to to throw their big strikes. So I have a feeling that she's gonna come in and time those things in and stuff stuff Serrano. But I feel like Serrano's quicker and her hand speed is quicker and she's stronger. So I yeah I, I gotta go with Serrano too. I think, yeah. but hopefully majority decision. That that's my prediction. Yeah, I, I like that. Like if there's a rematch in a potential trilogy, that'd be dope. And I know I know Serrano's gonna look dope. You know she's gonna be wearing the Jays more than likely on her she's feet, be looking and good. she's yep. and she's also gonna be adorned by Angel Alejandro from Double A Boxing and his gear and his custom boxing Let's trunk go. and the robes he makes. There's it's gonna be nice. So I'm I'm so I'm excited. excited to see yeah. that ring walk. I'm excited to see that fight. But I I got I think Amanda is gonna make the difference with her power, yeah. and she's gonna she's gonna be able to push Katie Taylor back and. Yeah. It's gonna be dope. We're gonna have a, a, a new undisputed champion come Saturday ooh, night. But we'll see. Ooh, we'll see. Ooh, we'll see manifest it. Manifest that. Okay. So now we got right. the People's Champ Award and we got the Below the Belt Award. Jared, take it away. Yeah, this week down. just really short. The People's Champ Award is goes for me to Udonis Yugas, who definitely fought a valiant fight against the best version of Errol Spence. Like so, yeah, that was that was a big surprise. This is the best version of Errol Spence yet. We saw a great. 12 round or 10 rounds because Urdonis Yugas was a uh, team threw in the towel uh, of his uh, like definitely what looks like a, a fractured orbit, orbital bone, which I saw actually arrow was targeting that from the beginning. And so what was interesting to me is like Ugas came coming in kind of with a similar strategy that he came in with Pacquiao, which I think didn't work out for him this time. He was uh, looking out for counter the whole time. Uh, while Arrow was just busy, like he just came in there and did work. So I, I but to me, you you guys was a people champs award because he's taken it so gracefully and he's a champ. He still like has the honor with him. And this is just how it should be done. Like why? There's no shame in, in, in that way of losing. And, and he did the right thing and he's gracious in, in his defeat with this one uh, as he won against Pacquiao. And in the four shame award this week, Again, like you saw me ranting about Ryan Garcia earlier. For me, the below the belt award goes to trainer Joe Guzan, who had like seemingly no effect for Ryan Garcia's comeback quotation air quotes. It's like given this mismatch, Joe Guzan should have prepared him. Like it just seemed like this was just uh, like a star. Like they just a star, a star boxer with some like famous trainer name 
linking together and thinking that this will make a pay-per-view happen. And to me, that was just like nothing. Like, I don't know what he's doing to prepare and maybe the relationship has just begun. So maybe we'll see some evolution, but that was, you're just putting all trainers under the bus with what Joe Goosen think, I think it did to Ryan Garcia in this fight. Right on. Well, that's going to conclude our episode for today. Everybody. Thanks for those awards, Jared. It was great talking with you about this upcoming fight and to talk a little bit about women's boxing and the state of it. We're out of here. See you next time. Peace, everybody. Thank you. Peace.